Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Ambulance, and joining us, he just corrected the shipping location of his Flamingo order. It's Josh Brown. Josh, what's going on? <laughs> I'm excited to have uh, Josh here for this one. It's a, it's in keeping with uh, past episodes because he joined us for Bad Boys for Life, which wasn't directed by Michael Bay, but you know, obviously had a hand in it, and yeah, he made a cameo in that movie. Ambulance is the newest movie from commercially uh, acclaimed filmmaker Michael Bay. It is uh, set in Los Angeles. It tells the story of uh, a pair of uh, adoptive brothers played by Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen. Jake plays Danny Sharp, who, uh, you know, as these two brothers grew up, kind of turned to a life of crime, whereas uh, Yahya plays Will, who went into the Marines and now has kind of grown a little, grown apart from his uh, brother a little bit because you know, he has a wife and a kid and is trying to get on the straight and narrow, but his wife is in need of some life-saving surgery uh, that costs around $231,000. And he has to go to, uh, to Danny for help because Danny, you know, is a lot of money because he, you know, engages in high-end crimes, specializing in bank robberies and uh, following in their dad's footsteps, who, uh, you know, was an even more hardcore criminal, as we are led to believe. Uh, When he goes to ask Danny for money, Danny uh, has been planning the biggest heist of his life, but, you know, is still a man short somehow, uh, five minutes before they have to leave. So he says, look, look, I could give you that money. Or I can give you a lot more money. Please help me. I'm going to try and steal $32 million from a bank. And Will goes along and uh, things do not go according to plan. And in their escape, they end up hijacking an ambulance and shooting a cop. And uh, they have to keep this cop alive as they are on the run because it's the one thing that's going to stop the other cops from killing them. In the ambulance with them is a paramedic uh, named Cam Thompson, played by Aiza Gonzalez. And the cop that they're trying to keep alive is played by Jackson White. His name, I think he's just Officer Zach. That's all we really hear him referred to as. And there's other uh, kind of appearances throughout the movie. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt plays Captain Monroe, uh, and uh, Keir O'Donnell plays FBI agent Anson Clark. Uh, Josh, you, you were very excited about this movie, and we, we, we just finished talking about Deep Water, which, is, which will be up by the time people listen to this. And I asked you when we started that podcast, does the old guy still got it in reference to Adrian Lyne? So now I must ask you, is Bay back? Bay is not only back. This is his best fucking work, all right? Whoa. This is, this is, like, look, it is also my number one for the years thus far, all right? Here's the thing, all right? You know, for the past couple of weeks, right, anybody who would listen, I would tell them, I think Ambulance is going to be the one, right? Because I think we all kind of, I think any serious cinema goer who might say that Michael Bay is a very, very uneven filmmaker, right, but with a lot of potential. Nobody has a visual eye like Michael Bay. You know what I mean? And actually, he's secretly good with actors, right? And so I think there's always been potential with Michael Bay, but it's always like, you know, comes with a lot of caveats, right? And so I look at Ambulance and I see all the elements are right there. He's working on a smaller budget. He has three charismatic leads, Jake Gyllenhaal, Yaya, and uh, Isaac Gonzalez, right? Um, And like this is a remake of a Danish film. So like in terms of like story issues or whatever, like the, you know, I felt like all these, it had a solid foundation. It had a solid foundation, right? Um, Where Michael Bay might be reined in and not get too sidetracked from his excesses that hold him back, 
right? And boy, he fucking delivered. I was expecting. This is what I was expecting. I was expecting something like Tony Scott's underrated final film, Unstoppable, right? I was expecting like a tight film like that, right? He delivered fucking speed. I did not anticipate that. I did not anticipate that Michael Bay would give us speed. It was a speed meets heat. Speed meets heat? No, <laughs> at one point, okay, at one point, I'm like, fuck, did Michael Bay give us heat? Did he give us heat? And then, like, you know, some of Michael Bay's humor, which is kind of his weaknesses, right? Kind of drag it down a little bit. Where I'm like, okay, okay, it's speed. It's speed. But who can complain about speed? But these Philistines didn't show up to see Michael Bay's ambulance in a fucking theater where it belongs. How disrespectful to an artist of his kind. And by the way, you know, I come in here all the time with like my aging old auteurs, right? Now, a lot of times, you know, I think their critical reputations are intact, right? But I can't believe Michael Bay is entering like his 50s and 60s, right? He's entering that prime age for me where like the exciting young filmmaker now becomes a master craftsman, a more mature filmmaker. And I think I now like will say that like Michael Bay has entered the pantheon of those type of filmmakers with ambulance. I mean, it's been a rough like, let's say last nine years for him since Pain and Gain, which I think is Maybe still his best movie. Honestly, it's probably this or, or this I thought or that Ambulance. was the best he could do. I thought that was the best he could do. It was it was Transformers, Age of Extinction, then the following year, two years later, 13 hours, then a year after that, Transformers, The Last Night, and then Six Underground. And I can't claim to have watched any of those, but so mm-hmm. maybe I'm not coming at that from the most place best place of knowledge, but you know, no one's really caping up for those movies. So uh yeah, like Six Underground was a, this kind of like the polar opposite of this movie where he's working for Netflix. And he has like an unlimited budget and he can do whatever the fuck he wants, which is like the worst thing for him. I think it's like, I think we could all agree that if Michael Bay's movies were a lot tighter, a lot shorter, more disciplined, they would actually be like fun. You know what I mean? Um, and this well, time, yeah. Let me, let me ask you though, like, I, so I, 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 I just saw it this afternoon. I didn't have quite as much time to consume all the criticism as you did. I read a few reviews, listened to uh, NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, and they were, they were a little more down on it than you are. And I mean, I, and, and I'll say I, I really liked it too, but like they, they disagreed with it being tight. This movie is two hours and 17 minutes long. And Which is tight for Michael Bay. But it's a full hour longer than the uh, Danish movie that it is based off of. So there is a version of this movie that cuts a lot of stuff out and is just like way more just focused on what is going on in that ambulance. But it seems like all the other stuff here that some might consider fat mostly still work for you, though. Yeah, like, like, look, look, look. Perhaps you could get, like, a nice movie at the two-hour mark flat, right? But, oh. like, I, I'm, like, I think its excesses are minimal. Like, 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 I think they're not, like, more egregious than, say, like, a Marvel movie that runs too long or whatever. Um, what, so- was the moment when you decided Bay was back when less than five minutes into this movie, he has a little girl impaled. <laughs> By the way, this movie has like, like, okay. so like, I think Michael Bay like pushed himself to like a level of both avant-garde, like chaos cinema. Like this has like some William freaking energy, right? And like, it's almost like a late period Tony Scott film, right? Um, and 
I think what he is doing with this, it's not only that he's pushing his visual grammar, but I think he's pushing the visual grammar of the action film with this film. Because in this film, it's kind of like in 2001 A Space Odyssey where the monkeys like uh, discover like the bone as a tool. That's Michael Bay with drones. Mm. It's, it's so beautiful. And so those pop culture happy hour complaining about like it running long by like seven minutes, like shut up, shut up, shut up. This movie, it, like if this didn't have Michael Bay's name on it, it'd be undeniable. So one thing I'll say is that I, and I don't really agree with that for the most part. I, so I had a very, very tough week at work and movies are normally my place to go escape. And I, I can just forget about any other stresses going on in life. And heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Exactly. I hung out with our girl, Nicole, on three different occasions in the last 72 hours. And the first of which was to see a movie called Sonic the Hedgehog 2. The second of those was to see everything everywhere all at once. And the third was to see Ambulance. And, you know, that criticism, I just those pop culture happy hour people leveled at Ambulance. It, they should have directed their ire towards Sonic the Hedgehog 2, a movie that unfortunately is taking a lot more of the box office successes away from Ambulance this weekend. And both during that and a very good movie and everything everywhere all at once, I let my mind wander to work. I hate to say it, but like the stresses, they just broke through the, the, the theater walls for me. And I mean, I, I, I still enjoyed everything everywhere all at once, but like it just got to me in, a, in my work, my outside stresses got to me in a way that just doesn't typically happen at the movies. It's just been a very rough few weeks at work for me for reasons I'm not going to bore all of you with. That didn't happen at Ambulance. And yes. The, 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 see, the one, by the way, we had the same theater. Go- we had literally the same theater going experience minus Sonic the Hedgehog. Hmm. Uh, everything, everywhere, uh, all at once. A movie that I thought was really good. It's like I, I res- I'm just me giving it like a four out of five mm-hmm. feels lukewarm compared to everybody else. Yeah. But like, I think I saw it under the worst of circumstances, and also hmm. by the time I saw it, the hype was just way, sure. way, way too much. But so, I, like, but I still like enjoy that film. But Ambulance, no. You, it, it, it grabs you. It grabs yeah. you. And the and you know, obviously, you're gonna you're gonna have to just accept the fact with the Michael Bay movie. There's gonna be you know there there might be some plot mechanics that don't make sense. There might be some incredibly outlandish, unrealistic things. And in lesser movies and in lesser Michael Bay movies and lesser movies of other directors, those kind of things might take you out of it. Nothing really took me out of this movie until I'll say the very end, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that towards the end of this. Uh, and I was just totally with them the whole time. And, you know, yeah, I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog was inexplicably two fucking hours long. And those movies are charming. I didn't hate that movie, but like it just it, it couldn't help but lose me at a certain point. Those movies, a movie like that should not be two hours long. And if you had told me, like, look, this, there's going to be a Michael Bay movie coming out that's going to be two hours and 17 minutes. And you're going to like uh, totally be with it for just about the entire runtime. I would have looked at you like you were crazy. And I really stuck with this thing. And he never lost me, despite like, oh, no, things here and there that obviously might have lost me in other in in other uh in other film going experiences not so much here i was like totally in and he and you know yeah there's a few explosions but like you know it's pretty incredible like how much more uh into it you'll be with one of his movies and we talked about this a little bit with bad boys too like that 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 there wasn't as much like over the movie had a big budget i'm pretty sure but like it it it, it was different directors and it was just like or not bad boys too excuse me bad boys for life In, in in that we talked about this with bad boys for life and that like yeah, there was good action in it that just didn't feel like everything blowing up all the time. And there are some th- things that get blown up in this movie, but like I think it's done in a slightly different way than we're used to. And a shit ton of great practical effects, even on top of that drone. And I think that just makes this movie never, never lose your attention. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the thing with Michael Bay. Like, what's kind of interesting about him is, like, for as much, like, scorn and hate he gets, right, uh, Michael Bay's, like, filmmaking style is very akin to someone who is critically beloved, and that's Christopher Nolan, right? Where it's, like, almost like they're the two sides of the same coin, um, where, like, they both rely heavily on, like, practical effects and real locations, right? Um, and that way, they're almost like classicists. They're, that's, like, sort of the last type of breed of blockbuster filmmakers. And, you know, they all have, they have bombastic sound design and stuff like that. And the thing, though, is, like, Michael Bay with these uh, action sequences, like, he's working on a $40 million budget, but these action in sequences in the movie and the movie's mostly just act it's just a fucking chase and, and a heist right um and which by the way you're complaining that this is like two hours 17 minutes long like dude you're getting the the heist scene from uh, uh, from uh heat in one half and then you're getting speed in the second half like if that's two hours and 17 minutes long like who's going to complain about that but i digress but like the thing with like uh michael bay in this movie is that he's working on a 40 million dollar budget but it feels like a hundred million dollar mm -hmm. you know budget movie given how impressive these action sequences are and how frenetic they are and they're engaging and they're and they're impressive whereas like a 200 million dollar marvel movie is just cgi goop mm -hmm. actually you know what i'll do first i want to ask you something about the performances and then we can just do a spoiler section uh, because I, I think we've done a decent job of talking about what, what there is to enjoy about the action in this. And then we can talk about some of this more specifics of the plot mechanics of this movie. I think you noted in your letterbox review, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was giving Tom Cruise and collateral vibes because uh, <laughs> collateral is obviously a movie that like you can't help but think about when you think about this because I actually... LA. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess Speed is in LA too, right? But like, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I it's been way longer since I've seen Speed. I think I, it's one I need to rewatch because I don't think I've watched it since I was like a little kid. Uh, mm -hmm. But Collateral, I rewatched in the last year, and it's like, yeah, it's inexplicable that like these cars. Can, now, I've also I've also been to LA for the, like the first time or the second time ever in the last year, and like, thus I'm more acutely aware of how ridiculous it is when movies like are all about cars driving without having to deal with traffic in LA. But, mm -hmm. you know, so you can't help but think of collateral when you think about this. But, like, also, yeah, t uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is playing a villain that, like, is, like, trying to put on a charming face. And I found it, like, thoroughly enjoyable in a way that, like, you know, for being, like, the most over-the-top performance in this movie, didn't actually feel, like, like too over-the-top such that it might you get taken out of the movie. Because, like, if you've watched Jake Gyllenhaal in the last five years, he's doing way more Manic. in other movies than he is in this. Uh, whether it be, like, you know in uh velvet buzzsaw or nightcrawler or uh i guess i'm just or okja or whatever like he's he's normally just like going for it and this actually feels like more tame and understated so it's like it's it's, it's kind of helping like the but whole Michael has, Bay experience not go over the top but it has like 80s like uh cocaine villain energy <laughs> like like it's definitely feels like 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 his characters are cocaine the entire time but in a good way and like that's the thing um, actually, you mentioned the fact that, like, you know, the streets in this movie are largely vacant. And there's a reason for that, because they shot this during the pandemic. And it's kind of crazy. And Michael Bay talks about this, where basically he was getting bored at home. Right. And like he had this like big budget movie that got stalled because of COVID. And then he like called up Universal. and He's like, hey, are you guys remaking it? I just want to do something short, quick right just get out of my house right and so this is how you got on board and um 
and the thing about it too is like they were shooting so fast and there's such a small crew that there was times where Jake Gyllenhaal had to hold the camera in the ambulance and it was like they're in really tight spaces. Well, it says like the rest of the cast in Wikipedia it says the rest of the cast was announced between January and May 2021 and Jake Gyllenhaal first read the script in October 2020 while shooting something else. So I think they might have shot some of it wasn't like they shot it like in like mid to late 2020 i don't think when it like would have been really dead like but like i still think like there was probably more protocols that needed to be in place than would be right now so yeah but yeah like uh but gyllenhaal's great yaya uh, it's funny because like what happened was it was originally supposed to be dylan o'brien in that role and then like that guy had to drop out and um universal uh, which is has been hot on yaya Yaha, because they like cast him in Candyman. They like offered it to Michael. They told Michael Bay, "What about this dude?" And then like Michael Bay's reaction is, "What is a Yaha?" Yeah. Um, and, and but then he was very impressed. And I think I think Jake, Yaha, and Isaac Gonzalez. Um, I think them three. Here's the thing with Michael Bay that you have to give him credit. He does attract really really good character actors or just just actors all around, and he gets good performances out of them. And I think out of all the uh, Michael Bay performance, and it seems like actors like to work with Michael Bay. What's kind of funny is that it's very clear with like um, uh, his movies because he always casts like Coen Brothers like uh, character actors like John Turturro or Francis McDormand and shit or Steve Buscemi. It's clear that he likes the Coens a lot um, and Pain and Gain is like his Coen Brother movie. But I think like actors really like like you know even though like michael bay is not critically respected i think like the reason why actors like to work with michael bay is a he'll make them look good he knows how to give them a movie star shot and then b i hear that it's just a complete adrenaline working with him like there's no other director that does that that might i mean i think that's maybe true in like some instances but also like notably megan fox has not said nice things about working with him in transformers movies and and but also just like i don't think he like for for whatever merits his positive merits his movies have not a lot of like great female characters in a lot of them yeah and uh, I, about, I think that's the exception i think this is the one right well that, that that's where i was going i'm like megan fox might have like the most notable female role in any of his movies and i didn't say great things about him and i don't Actually, i mean i remember i remember like a weird like the Lindsay ellis analysis of like the megan fox character in transformers and she's like most people say that the character is poorly written but if you actually go back and look at that movie she's actually very well written like she has like her own like backstory interests and stuff like the thing is she's like and she's not a damsel in distress but the thing is it's like how she shot is like through this heavy like male gaze but yeah, I think I think Isa's the exception um, to. Yeah. I think this is the first time he really, really great saw character, that. huh? Yeah, yeah, just a actually, really great, really great, competent character that has her own like you know story, and, and she's not sexualized or anything, right? Um, and then, um, but I, what I was going with this is like I think this is the most charismatic cast that he's had. I would even say. I would put this above Bad Boys with like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Well, in that you have uh, Joe Pantoliano too, who's like a very oh, uh, charismatic yeah. actor, and uh, yeah. just like I mean, yeah, three of them are great, but like I think this cast holds its own. I I particularly enjoy Garrett Dillahunt, who 
I I know mo- I know best from Deadwood, but he was also in. Uh, he also had his own arc on Justified, and I think I might be forgetting a, a few other things he did. Well, apparently he wasn't. He was an actually in Widows too. Um, but like he's he's like a very good character actor, and like there's like a exchange in this movie, and I mean it's fair for everyone to say like yeah, you're not going to this movie for the script, and there might be some parts where like the dialogue could be a little uh, corny. On there on multiple occasions, characters in this uh, movie, particularly Jake Gyllenhaal, say this is a, we are a locomotive, we don't stop. And uh, in response to that, uh, the did character- he like just get that from the Unstoppable script? <laughs> Maybe, but then uh, in in response to that, at one point he says that on the phone to the Garrett Dillonhunt character who plays a a police chief that gets called in on his day off and is like wearing a USC sweater and jeans basically, but is is like nevertheless like a I don't want to say the police chief, but he's a, a like an O lieutenant or something that's in charge of this unit, and uh, he says right back to Jake Gyllenhaal, neither do we, but he says it in like an understated way that I think like you know a, a different actor that played it differently with a Michael Bay script and uh, vibe might have just sounded like really corny, and I'm like all right, this is kind of like fitting in and making this whole thing feel a, a little more modulated and a, a, a more so than normal. And I'm like, I'm kind of digging this. He has like the right actors in place to like uh, temper this story. And there's moments where like Jake Gyllenhaal does a good job of like trying to sell the Michael Bay humor. Like the Michael Bay, like Michael Bay's comedic style is like, you know, pretty bad most of the time or whatever. And in this case, it almost works. Like, there's almost a few good jokes here. And I think some of the best ones are delivered by Jill and Hall. Yeah, there is uh, one particular exchange about herpes. Uh, so uh, you can uh, look forward to uh, watching that. That's a nice little... I do like his Grammys joke. I like the Braveheart. I, I, I did laugh at the Braveheart Grammys one. I, I, um, I, I did not know what to make of that joke. I was like, was that a goof? Did like someone uh, forget to correct something that he said? Or is, are, are we just supposed it, to think that's what this guy is? He doesn't know the difference between the Grammys and the Oscars. <laughs> and, it also, and it also, I like the... Um, we have to know that he name checks his own movies, The Rock and Bad Boys film. And here's the thing. Normally, I would find that annoying and obnoxious. But I'm like, you know what, Michael? Give yourself a pat on the back. Like, <laughs> you did make The Rock, you know? Like, um, you're, you, you, you're giving us ambulance. I think, I think you can do a victory lap right now. Sure. You ready to talk about some spoilers? Hell yeah. Do they do surgery in a fucking ambulance uh, going 60 <laughs> miles an hour without a doctor present? <laughs> Dude, it was going so fast that I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I think I forget about that. You know what I mean? Because like, I'm like, I'm thinking of the heist. I'm thinking of like the drone going down the building or whatever. Oh my God. But like in terms of spoilers though, when, and this is the thing about this movie, right? Um, and Gyllenhaal's performance and also the character itself is that the villain of this film is Gyllenhaal, but he so loves like the most sympathetic brother played by Yaha that it's tragic that Yaha has to kill Gyllenhaal in the movie, despite the fact that Gyllenhaal loves his brother. You know, it sounds corny, but that's the thing about this movie. I think Bay actually pulls off the emotional beats of this film. Well, I do like that. It, it, I mean, because it, it is, it does have like some pretty big similarities, to, like heat and speed. But like, I do think it is somewhat unique to like have a movie where like there are two people doing like uh, objectively bad things, and uh, what, the movie, yes, it does it in a fairly uh, uh, transparent and uh, manipulative way. But like, so obviously makes one of them so sympathetic that you don't really see, you, you don't really know how to feel as you're watching this whole thing. It's like kind of cheering for that guy, but he's also like 
kind of just been doing some murdering too all th- all throughout and but, i but Hall is also fun and like charismatic you know yeah I mean? like, so it's, it's like i mean it's not quite like you're cheering for the bad guys and like to the same extent you are in something like an ocean's 11 or whatever but it's still like for a movie where they're doing so so many like uh pretty heinous things it, it is i i do respect that like uh bay is able to make you uh really really like actually uh sympathize with them or uh kind of like like them somewhat i don't want to say i ever really liked julian hall but it was like i didn't hate him probably as much as i should have uh so i thought I, I just thought that was like an interesting different vibe to give the movie that set it apart from something like heat where uh i mean and Heat, like i'd say maybe like you know i, I would say it's not like de niro is uh or, or or even the val kilmer character i don't think are in, in certain ways i don't think either of them are uh as objectively bad as the julian call character is here but also like you don't have anyone to cheer for like you're kind of cheering for yaya Mm-hmm. yeah uh, by the way let's like it's like a star making performance in my view and you know he's been popping up like in Candyman and the matrix and well, he, uh, he already won an emmy for watchmen too yeah and also chicago seven right. um but like i think here is like to me he proves that he's like a leading man like i think this is like you know on par with like smith's performance in like bad boys but isaac gonzalez holy shit like you know she talks about like the amount of detail that like she like uh did in turn you know how like the actors always say i train x amount of months or whatever but i think it shows in her performance and i like the beginning and how she's introduced where you know it's clear like she's like the best at like her job or whatever and that she's like she knows how to compartmentalize it and it's kind of off-putting to like her male colleagues and shit like i thought like her introduction as a she felt like a character Oh, I, I, I agree. I quite, I, she was like, uh, I mean, obviously people first saw her in baby driver, but I, uh, I, I thought she was like the, the, probably the, the best, or I think the second best part of I care a lot, which I thought was an objectively bad movie. I, I just, I enjoy her in things. And for someone that like, you know, uh, I think objectively looks like a supermodel is able to like actually convincingly make you think she's like, and I care a lot, just like an assistant to, uh, this, uh, rosamond pike character and is just uh or in here is just like an emt and it's uh i think i think it's pretty she's able to like you know disappear into those roles in a pretty effective way and i and and i and and i uh and i really appreciate that and uh you slowly kind of see that maybe she doesn't have it all together to the extent that you uh, think she does as uh, as just like a full professional you get a little more backstory about her and how she actually like completed med school but like like had a drug problem the third year of her residency or something like that and like that and then and then at one point she makes a comment early in the movie before the things really get going to the to her new partner who wants to like have more of a relationship with her and she's like oh yeah i have a boyfriend he's a doctor find out later she screwed things up with that doctor boyfriend because she's the person that uh, he's the person that she calls when they have to do surgery and i mean so you kind of you kind of realize hey that guy actually seems like a decent enough guy it, josh, it seems like- josh i was totally engaged with this movie i like i really like like start to finish i was engaged with this movie right but it moves by so fast that some of the details you're mentioning i'm like i i for, i have no recollection of it no like, I, I i actually missed the rock reference i missed the rock and bad boys references so i missed stuff too yeah it's it's a fast-paced movie guys like um 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 base not fucking around um i was uh, trying to but, i was trying to get us to the to back to the surgery scene though i mean uh yeah. i that, i mean just like so that we, we learn a lot about her, like leading right up to that. So I think it's a good way to like add something to her character and also add something to Yaya's character and that he's able to like competently help her with that. And like, 
man, I have not seen anything like that creative in an action movie in some time. I, I, I mean, what, what, what did you, I mean, I don't know if you'd like learned enough about the movie that you know that was coming. I think I might, maybe I'd seen something about it, but forgotten about it. Like, what did you ultimately think when like they went there and like pulled that surgery scene off and made it as like graphic intense as they did, but also like kind of funny at the same time to like go, go out to those doctors on the golf course. Like there's so much going on there. I was truly impressed with how he pulled that off. Yeah, no, like it's just the again, like like a scene like that and the whole movie is just pure adrenaline, pure tension, and he doesn't drop the ball. But also going back to Isa, um, I was listening to an interview that she did, and like you know, she was talking about the preparation she did for a role. But also to me, I'm like, okay, Isa, you're a smart lady because like she like was saying they they asked her what are your favorite Michael Bay films, and she was like, actually. I think Michael Bay is at his best when he's working small. So like, I'm like, yeah, good for you. And then like, uh, she said, um, this is where she, I disagree with her. She said 13 hours. I'm like, you picked the wrong Michael Bay small film. I actually think Michael Bay can't do more. But that being said, with this movie, like uh, during that like uh, uh, surgery sequence, you also have like the, you know, the cameras and the, and the ambulance going through the underpasses in, in LA. And it's just the chase sequence in of itself is just so frenetic and so awesome. And the cameras doing stuff I've just never seen before. Hmm. Yeah. I like, I was jumping out of my seat during some drunk shots going, Holy shit. Holy shit. I, yeah, I think the, the one that's going to stick with me the most is the uh, helicopters on the LA river. Um, which one were there any other particular ones that really uh like made you jump out of your seat? Oh, uh, like it, a lot in the beginning, actually. Um, like when the uh drone shot goes down from the building or whatever, mm. I thought it was super cool, but yeah, like I, I, I think, like, I don't think you and I are like Michael Bay, like, stands. I think we like are probably you know can admire some of it but like you know not necessarily always excited when there's a new michael bay joint right but like to you like do you think that to me like i think it's one of the best action films of the past decade like like where do you stand on it in terms of action movies i mean it's certainly different in that like i mean because i mean there's there's very very little uh i mean aside from maybe like the first like fight at the bank there's like very very little hand to hand combat in this movie so it's like a different type of action movie than others that might get you know a, a lot of it's 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 hard it, it really does feel like apples and oranges to compare this to something like i don't know the john wick movies which i really like a lot but um, what about like fury road or um... oh i mean <laughs> um i don't know if i want to quite put it with fury road but like i mean uh if you're if you're saying like uh car chase uh chase movies baby driver know? uh it's better than baby driver i think but i mean i uh, another isaac gonzalez joint um I, I i don't know i mean i i it, it's great i mean I, I i don't i don't really know what else to say but like i i i for for like you know what's also weird is that like i i i, I don't know i didn't really talk about the batman with you i didn't actually like the car chase in the batman Oh yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't get the praise, but I'm also sour on the movie overall, uh, which is different than everybody else. So. I, mean, I gave it thumbs up, but it's like I, I felt like I was like not seeing something everyone else was seeing, and it's like yeah. it's it's hard There's to like inventive inserts in that one, but overall, it's not that impressive. No, I mean it's just like all close ups, but nothing. But like, and yeah, maybe some moments of the chases here are kind of like that, but like it does spend enough time doing other things other than close ups of the people driving that like gets you that gives you something else. So I, I just that's like such a a, a different kind of movie that received a different type of acclaim. But like, 
I, I, I can like see the merit in this, whereas like other types of movies that like might try and do similar things, like actually aren't doing it as well. By the way, it's funny Michael Bay describing it where he's talking about like, so he's like, yeah, I use drones in like 13 hours and stuff. And actually, I think like drones and movies can be quite dull um, mm. uh, because, you know, there's certain things that like they can't do compared to like a helicopter shot or whatever. And he doesn't feel like they're used correctly. But he like hired like these, the top drone racers in the world, right? To uh, man the drones. And he's like, I want you guys, and he's like, the things I pitched them, they're like, no, you're crazy. I don't know how we're going to do that. It's like, I want the drone to go through an explosion. And I want the drone to like, you know, go under, like, just do all this crazy stuff. And like, you know, they're really pushing the limits here. And I just think it's very rare for action movies nowadays to be inventive with the exception of maybe like the John Wick series. Hmm. And and Fury and Fury Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I want to. By the way, the score, the score. We, I just want to mention, like that score. It's fucking intense. I really dug it. Honestly, it, it, I, I don't have any reason to doubt you. It wasn't one of the things that stood out for me. But I mean, I, you know, it might have just been because it was just like, it it was all just flowing into me at one time that like it might have been responsible for how I felt, even if I, even if I'm not really quite recollecting it myself. Uh, Take your word for it on it. I mean, I think I already kind of like said my piece on just why I think the action kept me so engaged throughout, whereas other people might be complaining about the length of it. I don't really think the length of something is all that concerning if it's gonna, you know, melt your face off in the process throughout most of the time anyway. But I want before I talk about the end of this with you i want i do want to ask about uh just like the rest of the mechanics of the heist itself and i don't even need to like uh nitpick anything that like didn't make sense up until the end of it but i am wondering like uh one thing i actually think i i don't it was either in a, one of the reviews or that pop culture happy hour episode where like they tried to like actually call the danny character kind of dumb the movie tries to tell you that he's smart uh we can debate how well they show it they talk about how he was at a phd program or something at maryland with the fbi agent that we meet and i i honestly laughed out loud when he's like we used to be friends. <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 I love that little touch. And then this going there and like, you know, I actually like think he is fairly smart. I, I don't think the movie like makes him dumb, even if he's ultimately not successful. I, there are multiple moments where it's like, hey, like, you know, let's just say one, a, a cop doesn't go into a bank to ask for a bank teller's number. Like, how can he predict that when planning this thing out? And then, like, I think the audible to, like, get these other uh, this other crew involved that used to work for his dad, like, that actually would have been a fairly brilliant stroke of genius had, like, that w- the, the one guy they sent on that chase not run away from the scene like the guiltiest-looking motherfucker ever and then gotten killed. Like, uh, I think, like, he gets away with it twice. So I actually think, like, the reasons that they fail are, like, out of his control. And I think it's actually smart. And I think in a movie like this, where you have different people maneuvering in different ways, you don't want the difference to turn on someone being an idiot. And I don't necessarily think think it does, even if he is a little unhinged. What did you ultimately think of just like, just the, the I guess the mechanics of the heist, I, I, the, I guess the mechanics of the chase almost in the choices that are made, did anything in it like strain? Uh, I don't want to say strain credibility. I don't even want to necessarily say that because again, we're dealing with the Michael Bay movie here, but was there anything in it that's like, oh wow, that's stupid that like uh almost like like bothered you to a certain extent? Cause like that's the thing I maybe worry about with something like this. And if there was anything like that, I was able to set it aside without even thinking twice about it. So were you like pretty into it and or or at any point like kind of taken up taken out of it by the character choices? 
Oh, uh, no. Like, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, when I'm watching, like, a heist movie, right? I'm not really watching it for plausibility or whatever. It would have to be something so, so egregious that, like, and for me to take note of. I'm just, you know, more concerned about the staging of it. And in this, like, it feels like you just recreated, like, the heist scene and, and heat. And I'm okay with that. Uh, and then also with, like, Bay, he was actually talking about, like, the appeal of heist movies. Because I think... He said, like, the thing about heist movies is, like, everybody sort of thinks about, like, if I, it's easy to put people in, like, the scenario of, like, you know, if they were to pull off a heist and what they would do differently. And, you know, in reality, it's really hard uh, because of how sophisticated technology and the police are um, mm. in catch, uh, catching people. So heists are very hard to pull off. You know what I mean? And I just think he felt like, the appeal of heist movies is like there's this weird wish fulfillment that the audience has, but also it put uh, audience members are naturally inclined to like strategize how they would handle the scenario if they were in the character's shoes, you know. But like one thing I do like about like this movie that you kind of alluded to is how he populates these little backstories or um mannerisms with each of the characters on the side like the isaac gonzalez like co-worker you know um and if it makes the, it the, the, like the fbi character leaving couples counseling with his husband or the uh the lieutenant that like just gets off the golf course and has a dog that like pops up things like that yeah it feels like um it feels like uh like like one of those like 70s new york films like taking a puff on one two three where it's like an action movie but it's an action movie where, like, your star is Walter Matthau, and he's populated by, like, you know, Woody Allen, Robert Altman's, like, troop of actors. You know what I mean? And and so, and that's something that Michael Bay has consistently done, where it's, like, the supporting cast in his movies are often very exceptional. Like, look at the ensemble in Armageddon or Joe Pantillo in Bad Boys. Actually, Nia Long in Bad Boys, you know? Um, when you mentioned you know, the 70s New York movies, I think we're probably coming up on exactly two years since we talked about Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, um, the Transform Transformers movies have excellent ensembles. So I think Michael Bay, I don't think he sometimes get enough credit uh, for how he, you know, casts this movie and also some of the performances he can get out of people. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to ask about the ending of this movie because that's where it might have lost me a little bit. Um, really i thought it was tragic and it, like i i bought into like at the end where it's like all right well sharp he's gonna go to prison but like isaac gonzalez what, what do you his wife like go easy on him like yeah, yeah sure. no well no i want to know why you think danny drives that car to the hospital if he's gonna make the choices he ultimately makes in the 10 minutes after he gets to the hospital I, you know i look i'm gonna be honest with you josh all right the movie is going so fast. I can't question character motivations. <laughs> Whatever Michael Bay says, that's what Michael Bay does. And I'm on board. All right. So my thing is like, I kind of like him, like, you know, having to make the decision and having to kill his brother, whose his brother loves him more than anything. It felt like a sort of Tony Scott, like romantic ending, like in like true romance where like, you know, instead of doing the Tarantino ending of killing off the Christian Slater character, he has them riding off in the sunset. Like, it felt like one of those type of, you know, Bruckheimer-esque, like, action movie endings, you know? Okay, where... here's... Sorry, finish. I'm sorry, finish. 
where there's some tragedy, but ultimately the characters are okay at the end, you know? Okay, well, it made me, like, question both both sides of this thing. One in that, like, okay, once he's just going to drive right up to a hospital and be surrounded by cop cars, like, he's, he's got to know at that point there's probably not any way he's walking, not walking, he's, he's getting away without, at the very least, being in handcuffs. So why is he at that point, like, continuing to do the hostage thing as opposed to just like uh trying to be the best samaritan possible and like save them uh so i i just did not understand that at all when he once he's already like driven himself right somewhere where he's going to be surrounded then uh i and i don't disagree that i think it's compelling that he that, that like will makes that choice to have to shoot him like I, I i totally am with it with that character and why that's heartbreaking and why it's an interesting choice but after that happens they end up like back in the um will ends up taking a bullet after he's already put one in danny's back so they are both on the ground and then uh no one and then they just leave them sitting there and Aiza Gonzalez has to make the choice to like, you know, disobey the cop and go and go save Will's life, even though, uh, and, and I mean, probably not any, probably he just saved hers and she also did shoot him. Uh, so at that point I was like, well, this just seems kind of ridiculous. Like we've been like kind of puttering around the scene for four minutes and everyone's just letting them like lay face down there when they're at a freaking hospital ER entrance with doctors, presumably everywhere. Like it's, I get it. Like the cops might not care about them as much because they're criminals, but like we see all the time in both like real life and in movies that like a criminal that like goes down uh, in, a, in a blaze of glory and takes some bullets. Like they end up in custody, but they end up in a hospital room. You know, it's like they're not just going to, like, let them lay there. And I get it. Like, I don't really have the highest opinion of, like, the actions of police officers. But I don't think they're just going to, like, let someone. You know, Michael out. Bay does. You know, Michael oh, Bay oh, does. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, I, yeah, we haven't really, you know, I don't really have a, a ton to comment on the politics of this movie. They're pre, it's pretty well, cool. It's really progressive for a Michael Bay movie. I mean, yeah, especially that opening scene. Uh, Really giving a, giving a hard critique to our healthcare system. But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I just thought at the end, it's like, look, I get it. I don't have high high expectations for the actions of police officers. But I think they're going to do something kind of shitty and like let someone bleed out when there's not a bunch of witnesses there. Here, there's like all these doctors around, all these police officers, like, we're just going to watch these dudes die and no one's going to save them for like five minutes. It's like, it's not like there's that many other bodies at the scene at this point that they have to take care of. They obviously want to like uh, save the cop first, but there should be a plenty of other people. And they're just like letting them sit there. I'm like, why are they just letting them sit there? Like, they're, they don't, they're not like an active threat at that point. They're just lying face down. Like, I just, I just didn't understand anything that was going on during that entire last sequence. Like, look, look. I, I understood I, the choice I had to make. I respected it, but it was just like there was just so much like it just felt like it came to a halt and it didn't make sense in a way that jumped out to me in a way that like nothing else in the first two hours and seven minutes of that movie did. Look, look, look. <laughs> like, look, it is said that like Michael Bay makes movies for, you know, people who maybe are not going to be watching last year at Marathon, right? I'm a stupid person, Josh. I'm a stupid person. So all I saw was ambulance go boom, bang, crashed into something. They're there. Blood was spread out. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm in the haze of my of Bayham, you know. <laughs> and so he has just he just has to end the movie. He just has to end the movie. I'm cool with it. I'm fine with it because the journey getting there was so much fun. You know, but let me tell you something that makes me sad, Josh. Like, it makes me sad, right? I think we would say this is top tier Michael Bay, right? We would also say this is not a highbrow film. You know, this isn't Power of the Nap. I mean, Power to Dog, right? Why the fuck did this movie bomb? 
This is just pure spectacle. And even Michael Bay, our most mainstream director, at his peak form, like telling a very accessible movie can't survive. It just makes me very, very depressed because this is the type of movie that would have been a huge hit like 10, 15 years ago and would have played on TNT every Sunday. And we all would have watched. It really makes me sad thinking that these type of mid-budget action films that are not part of a franchise can't work even if you have uh, someone like Michael Bay who has very populous instincts. So, I mean, it looks like, I mean, on Wikipedia right now, it's a, it's a, the box office at 31.2 million. I don't know how much a Sunday that actually takes into account. Uh, so, you know, it might break even on the first weekend, but it's certainly not going to be the hit that it should be. Um, and that's, and, and, and that's very sad because like, you know, like you said, this is a guy, uh, kind of coming into his own in a way and, uh, in a, in a way that I think should be celebrated. And it's just, you know, it's, it, it's tough. And it's really meant to be seen in the theater, right? Like mm-hmm. you, like it was pure escapism for both of us when we mm-hmm. saw it. Yeah. And you want to uh, see it loud and big. For sure. Uh, is there anything else about this that we didn't already touch on that you want to, that you want to talk about? Uh, oh yes. Michael Bay. You know, he is, I think he's really evolving as a person because on the press tour for this film, right, they ask him about the slap. And he's like, mm. no, 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 I don't give a shit. When there are babies in the Ukraine that are getting blown up right now. So he's going, he's going, he's, he's slowly edging towards being completely woke. Good for him. Yeah, no, he's anti-Putin. He's anti-Putin. And then also, I'm a little bit nervous that he's going to make the Zelensky Mmm, interesting. Michael <laughs> Pace, Ukrainian invasion. All in the bunker. All, all, all in a bunker. <laughs> oh, you know he would get Jeremy Renner. You know, you, okay, so you want to know, like, my, my other thing I need, to, I need to mention about this movie that I think is kind of hilarious. Uh, cool. So the last movie that we talked about on the podcast was uh, Deepwater, where uh, Ben Affleck goes around just, like, killing all of Ana de Armas' lovers. The only one yeah. he doesn't kill is played by the same guy that is the first to die in this movie. <laughs> which I think is, which is, which I thought was hilarious. He he he, he, he dies in like the most gruesome way after being the one guy to make it out alive. Like this could be in the same universe because that guy, you know, he left in deep water Moved to, to L.A. to escape Ben Affleck. I mean, like in the movie, I think he says he's going to find work in New Mexico, but it's totally plausible. Like he just found some other work a little further west and uh, just didn't couldn't moved away to survive Ben Affleck, but uh, couldn't 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 survive a life of crime. So I just thought that was kind of hilarious that actor popped up in two straight movies that we have talked about. Uh, but yeah, I don't don't really have. Oh, by the way, yeah. Michael Bay worked with Anna de Armas. That's what I took away from that mm. deep water. Right yeah, she she could have totally pulled off the Isaac Gonzalez role if she if, if they yeah. wanted her. So I mean, yeah, yeah. and I think we, we know from a uh, No Time to Die, she deserved. We we I want to see her and do another action movie because I mean she was incredible in No Time to Die was the best part of it. That fifteen minutes there, I think, should earn her a chance to like be the lead in some kind of action movie to see what that looks like. Um, by the way, by the way. Quick question, because I remember being so hyped after Pain and Game, where I was like, this is the one, this is the one, right? It's the best rock performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was slapped in the face by Michael Bay for 13 hours. Like, egg on my fucking face. I was like, okay, all right. Anytime he does a small one, it's going to be great. And that one was a piece of You also have yourself to blame for having high expectations for something that where he had the chance to get that political before he became, (laughs) before he became the woke, uh, the, the woke king he is now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <Faye won't> <laughs> that would be so funny if like michael bay becomes like the oj simpson of directors where 
each press store, he says something rational, but like kind of surprising for him. You know what I mean? I hope this is Michael Bay turning a new leaf. I hope like free to the Transformers movies, which he admits like he stayed on way too long. I hope that he keeps making movies like Ambulance, right? But what's kind of annoying is that if he does, it's just going to go to Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, who knows? Maybe if we get get a little further out and uh, further away from like the worst of the pandemic, but who knows? It seems like every time I actually poke my head into the news, there's talk of a new variant. So I don't know, but you know, maybe this like on the whole, the, the theaters will rebound even more than they already have the last couple of months. And the, the demand will go up for people like him who have an idea like this or something, you know? I, but, I, but wait, uh, two things, two things, two things. I have a question for you, right? Yeah. You know, with Michael Bay, like, you know, given the critical derision that he's gotten, you know, it's another similar director, M. Night Shyamalan, right? And M. Night Shyamalan now has this comeback and now he has people doing auteur theory and really sticking up for him as a, as somewhat misunderstood auteur and things are being reclaimed, right? Do you think that will happen with Michael Bay? And then also, who do you prefer, him or his probably his biggest influence, Tony Scott? Um, I actually, I don't know. Like I, so the thing about M night is that like, I don't think everyone really like split, but then like, uh, glass and old were just like not great. And, but like, the visit, least, well, well, I think old is very polarizing. I mean, I, I think, I, I think that it has its, uh, it has its supporters, but it, at the same time, like it was like a, oh, it was like 50% Rotten Tomatoes. So maybe it has like more supporters than I realized though. Again, I understand uh, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes I think is not like precise, but it, but, it, but it made like 90 million on an $18 million budget, which I mean, not as much as I thought it did, but like still more turn more of a profit than this is going to. He has the ability to like, you know, he, he, he's just, he can do more on smaller budgets than Michael Bay can as impressive as a balance was for $40 million. So maybe there's just more potential for M Knight to keep getting stuff made. If he won, if he has ideas, because it just doesn't take as much of a financial investment to even get his stuff off the ground. I'm not as like, I, I, I don't want to say Tony Scott's a blind stop for me, but I don't know if I've seen all of the essential Tony Scott as, which I know sounds pretty crazy because I know his movies are a lot of fun. Uh, but I, let's see, I don't, yeah, I don't actually know if I've seen as much of them as I should have. I haven't seen all of the essential Tony Scott. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't actually know if I've ever seen man on fire in its entirety, uh, or enemy of the state or crimson tide. And I know those oh, you are gotta like, see like, enemy of the state. That is yeah. like, that's, that's probably my favorite. Um, so yeah, I guess I've seen, I, I, I think, well, I know the fan is bad. I've seen the fan though. I've seen, and yeah, and I, and, and I, so I haven't seen. Yeah, so I've seen like Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Last Boy Scout, True Romance, and Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, and Unstoppable. So like, I he, I guess he is a little bit of a blind spot for me, and I, sh- I should see more of them. So I don't think it's really like fair to compare, though. Like, I I think I might actually like Pain and Gain and Ambulance more than like most of the Tony Scott stuff I have seen. So, but again, I have a lot to see still, so. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, um, but like, I yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with By you. Way- yeah, I, I prefer Tony Scott over Ridley Scott. Mm, that's a take. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I, I this is thing. This is my take. This is my take. I think Tony Scott is a more personal artist than Ridley Scott. Hmm. What are you? What? And here's the thing. I think there's probably better. I think Ridley Scott is consistently like is more consistent or whatever. But I think Tony is more interesting. Interesting. All right, Josh. Anything else you want to plug that you've watched recently? Any other things in in the vein of this, or a, you already talked By about Unstoppable? Way, any Tony Scott you want to recommend? Anything like that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're being disrespectful to, I think, a director really like Richard Linklater. Apollo 10 and a half. Why is nobody talking about that? It's a good what movie. is it? It snuck up on me. I actually, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm like hit or miss on space stuff in general. So uh, can you pitch us on it? Okay, so is a coming of age uh, nostalgic um, trip back to 1969, a period where Richard Linklater grew up, and it takes place in Houston, Texas during the space race, and it's the summer where we put a man on the moon, but in the movie, it's basically an animated form in this rotoscope form that Linklater has done before in Waking Life and um, Scanner Darkly. Uh, He's telling this uh, coming of age story, but really he's telling a story of the year 1969 in the 70s, right? It's much more of a culturally anthropologic movie um, is essentially is what he's doing. And then he interweaves this with this tale of like this boy being recruited by NASA in a secret mission to fly to the moon. Um, and so it, it's a very interesting animated film. And as with Richard Linklater and everything he does, you know, I think the problem with him sometimes is like, I think from the outside, his movies may look slight, especially the stuff that he has done post-boyhood, but I think they are not. I think it's some of his best work, and I think he always has some interesting approach or something interesting to say each time. Yeah, and it is uh, only uh, an hour and 37 minutes since on Netflix, so something that accessible with Linklater being one of my guys, I think I should uh, definitely check it out. So I appreciate the recommendation because I haven't really talked and to anyone about it yet. when's the Kimmy pod? When's the Kimmy pod? Okay, so I did watch Kimmy last week. Uh, I mean, if if you feel that strongly about doing it, like I, I we could. I, I, I so that that was going to be my recommendation though. It's just, it's just hard because like Soderbergh's one of my guys, so I'd feel bad not talking about it. But it's like because and look, I'm fine if if, if he can get if, if it makes it easier for him to get the stuff made that he wants to get made. I'm fine with him just working with streamers. Like as much as I respect the theater experience, if he wants to do it that way, and that's the best way for him to get He's to get the stuff only made. Director who doesn't give a shit, right? And that's fine. And I, I, but like it makes it harder for me to prioritize it when I am very busy with work and like I want to be able to see other things before they leave theaters. When I just know his thing is going to be there whenever I do have the time. So it took me a couple weeks to get to it, and I watched it, and it was like really solid and it's like uh it's basically a, it's it's like 89 minutes long and it's like very thrilling it's uh, handles covid in an interesting different way that's the other thing about ambulance like i think it actually like acknowledges covid with the mask at the beginning and uh and then it, it just like totally kind of drops it because like these people have more important things to worry about but i thought that was kind of funny that it did kind of acknowledge it was a covid era movie um, and also keep in mind michael bay he is a florida man he lives in miami which by the way since you live in south florida mm-hmm. you need to take a uh, trip to the Bay House. God, you gotta like meet Michael Bay, his dogs. <laughs> I didn't. I, if anyone, if Michael Bay wants to invite me to the Bay House, I would be happy to go. But yeah, uh, Kimmy is really good, and uh, may, may, maybe Josh and I will uh, talk about it if he really wants to again at some point in the next week, and I have the time because look, I mean, uh, it's it's I, I I don't mind putting out stuff later when it's like when it's like a streamer and it's just going to be there for people to watch and Soderbergh's my dude uh so I want to give him the attention he deserves but look people you should watch Kimmy I'll also say uh you know at some point maybe later this year I'm guessing there will be a season three of For All Mankind on Apple TV plus so if you're into the space race stuff like Josh just recommended uh For All Mankind is awesome it was my second favorite television show of 2021 okay I've heard I've heard some people put it like one and two on their list of TV shows 
And I love, I, I'm very intrigued, uh, intrigued by like speculative uh, space race. La- la- last year it was second to succession for me in my ranking. So that did. Oh, tell, fuck. Tell That's, that makes me want to turn, like, watch it, right? I don't watch TV, but that makes me want to watch it. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, some people like thought it was a little slow in season one, and and but like it was like universally praised in season two. But I like I liked it from the jump in season one. I just think it, it's really well done, and uh, I, I probably plugged it on an episode last year. But just because it's pretty close in uh, subject matter to what you were just discussing with respect to Apollo ten and a half, I figured I should uh, I, I should give it a shout. Uh, Josh, before we get out of here, anything you want to plug Instagram or Letterbox wise? Yeah, yeah, you know, I got a photography page, Beth Brown Film Collective, you know, and Letterbox JKB sixteen twenty six. Gotcha. Okay, as usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy on uh, Twitter and Letterbox J O S H J U R N O B O Y. Podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is rewindmoviepod at gmail uh, Coming up next, I've screwed this up a few times when I've teased stuff out because I haven't put everything out in the order I thought I was going to. But I'm guessing I'm going to be putting this out before an episode. I did. I'm going to be doing on fresh. As I reconvene my uh, rom-com correspondence for the first time in a year, our friends Lissa and Denise, uh, and then I uh, will also probably have something on everything, everywhere, all at once uh, with uh, our friends Arjun and Daniel. So everyone uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks to Josh again for joining me. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.